If you were to guess what day this is in the Christian year, you might look at how we began our service and some of the aspects of the liturgy, and you might have noticed that there was something about the Trinity. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. We just sang about it with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, that we are one. Today is Trinity Sunday. It always falls, good guess, um, today is Trinity Sunday. It always falls on the Sunday immediately following Pentecost, which was obviously last Sunday. Uh, It was not always practiced or recognized in the church. It's coming about theologically and from a doctrinal standpoint in the early church didn't come about formally until the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. And that's when we began to understand more about the Trinity. However, it's been well said about the Trinity that if you talk about it for more than a few minutes, you you begin to become heretical. Because it's impossible to know how the Trinity really hangs together. For us, it's a mystery to understand God as Father, as Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet all one at the same time. To hold those tensions together is in some way a paradox. It's a mystery. But by faith we affirm these different parts or personhoods of the Trinity. So today is a special day. White is the color for Trinity. Last week it was red for Pentecost. Today it's white. And then we begin the longest season of the church year, which starts next Sunday. It's called Ordinary Time. And the (laughs) liturgy, it's it's the long season. The color will be green, and we have that all the way up until Advent. And then, you know, Advent's four weeks, and then we have winter, and then we have Lent for six weeks, and uh, and then Pentecost, and then uh, we start the cycle all over again. So here we are on Trinity Sunday. And today is the last in an eight-week sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. We've been taking it phrase by phrase. And today is the concluding phrase, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, if you looked in your program, you noticed that the sermon title is, Is There Something Missing? Well... If you take the Lord's Prayer from Scripture, you will notice that this last phrase is missing. It's not there. It's not in the Bible. And yet, I've been saying it since I can hardly remember as a little tyker, memorizing it in the church. I've been saying it almost every week for my entire life. You probably have too. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. That's just part of the Lord's Prayer, right? Well, actually, no. (laughs) It was an add-on. It was actually something that the priests in the early church after the resurrection began to say in response to the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer would be prayed, ending with, uh, uh, lead us not into temptation, uh, but deliver us from evil, end of prayer. And then the response, a doxological response, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
So that's how that came into being. That's why we do it that way. And Jesus couldn't have said it any better if he had tried because it's a great way to end the prayer. It gives all praise and glory to God, and that's what we're about. And, and the beauty of this part of the prayer is we can stake everything on it. You know, think about it. Any circumstance in your life, be it a good time or one of the most difficult times in your life, you can say this, this concluding phrase. No matter what happens to us in life, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It puts the focus back on God's goodness and God's grace and God's power. So I want to just let you hear again the scriptures that Jim and Lori read for us and um, let them sink in. Let these words sink in as you think about the music we've heard and, and, and all that we're thinking about in terms of the Lord's Prayer. Just, just listen again to these words. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithfulness shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to all people your deeds, your mighty deeds, and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Did you catch it there in the song? All those threads tying together. And then from Ephesians chapter 3. For this is the reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth and on, in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. And I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can imagine or ask, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's right there in Scripture. It's echoed through those early priests who did it in response to the prayer. And it's there every week when we recite this last phrase that by tradition has become our rendering, our offering 
of the Lord's Prayer. Today we wrap up our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to give a quick summation of how we have journeyed over these past now eight weeks. Our Father who art in heaven. Our. God is everyone's Father, Creator, Parent. Our. We don't have an exclusive claim on God. We don't get to do that. God is for everybody. Our. And then the Father, we can, we're not going to get into God's, um, the sex of God, um, because we could debate that all day. But Jesus used the term Father to bring an intimate relationship so that we might understand that God is not distant and far off, but that God is here. God so loves us that it's like a parent. He even said, Abba, Papa, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. That's a very close, endearing term, and that's the kind of relationship we can have with God. This God who we think of heaven being so far away, and yet Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It can be here now, and so we can claim that relationship now. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy, holy be your name. If we, if we truly sanctify God's name, if we truly make God's name holy in all that we do and all that we say, we don't need to go on with the prayer any longer. We can stop right there. If we truly hallow God's name, then everything else falls into place. But the prayer does continue. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We don't know exactly what that kingdom is. We don't know what that reality is for sure. But we desire that it come. That it come and be a part of our lives and our reality here and now. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are called as Christ's people to help bring that about. To help bring God's will, God's kingdom into reality now in our time and place. It doesn't just happen. God needs our help. And it's a broad sense of God's love and kingdom. If you look at all the teachings of Jesus' parables, you see that it's broad, it's inclusive, it's deep, it touches us deeply and for all people, not just for some, but for all. And we're here to share that with each other and to help bring that reality now. We trust in God's graciousness to do it, but we have to be ready and we have to be receptive, a good soil for God's planting. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need, not what we want. We'd like it the other way around. 
but we're to ask for what we need, not what we want. And bread is, again, there's nothing personal in the, nothing private in the Lord's Prayer. It's always in the first person plural, give us, all of us. And if that means us, it doesn't just mean the people sitting here at the neighborhood church this morning. It's all of us. All of God's people everywhere. And so we have a, if, we're, if the kingdom's going to come on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to help bring that sense of bread and food and nurturing to all God's people, especially those who are hungry. But Scripture tells us that bread is not just the physical bread, but because we don't live by bread alone, there's also a spiritual bread that we seek in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day that which can sustain us, not just physically, but spiritually as well. Give us this day our daily bread. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a hard one. Michael did a wonderful job last week on that. But part of the promise is that we are never alone. We will be tempted. There will be struggle. You know that. We struggle all the time. We're tempted all the time to live for ourselves and not for others, to do what we want and not just receive what we need. We're tempted all the time, but the promise is we are not alone, that God is with us, that God will help us through those trials and temptations. Why? Because thine is the kingdom and the glory and power forever. We affirm that today. So we sort of come full circle to this threefold um, expression of the Trinity on Trinity Sunday. We recognize that God is present in different ways at different times in our lives. Sometimes we do experience God as, as our parent, as a creator, as as that most intimate relationship. And other times we, we relate so closely to Christ that we feel Christ's presence with us right here, right now. And at other times, when everything else seems far afield, we rely on the Spirit, that indwelling that we can't put our finger on. You can't, we can't talk about it even. It's so personal. You just you feel it. It's, it's something that captures your inner being. And that's the Spirit of God. The Lord's Prayer is, is um, it's, our, it's sort of our go-to prayer, isn't it? It's the one prayer when words fail us, when life is either at its best or at its worst, we can turn to the Lord's Prayer. The past couple of weeks I've been using it with um, some of our leadership groups and we did it with council recently, or not with council, but with, um, I can't remember which boards it was, but anyways, um, and we prayed the Lord's Prayer, and we just paused after each phrase to let it sink in. And I found in my own devotional life, that's an effective way to pray the Lord's Prayer, is just to pray one phrase instead of rushing right through, because even though it's our go-to prayer, it's also one of the most rote and routine prayers that we have, and we say it all the time, and, and I, I told you before, I've often said the Lord's Prayer and it's meant very little because I'm just kind of going through the motions and just saying the words. But to help us not do that, if we just say the Lord's Prayer phrase by phrase and pause, uh, it's a way that it can stay with us in a more meaningful way. So 
This whole series has been to help us in our understanding, but also in our praying of the Lord's Prayer. It was um, Augustine who said that if we pray in the right way, it doesn't matter what words we say, but if we pray rightly, everything we say will be contained in the Lord's Prayer. And Thomas Aquinas said it is the perfect prayer. And Martin Luther said that um, it is the model prayer. That when a Christian prays abundantly, they will have prayed rightly the Lord's Prayer. That's my hope. That's our promise as people of faith. That we will continue to utilize this prayer above all prayers, that it might stick with us and stay with us and sustain us throughout our life's journey, but that it will always have meaning and depth and power. For thine, God, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.